Thank you for listening to the weekly messages of New Providence Primitive Baptist Church. To subscribe to our podcast, hear other messages, or learn more about us, please visit nppbc.com. guys for Monday night, they're going to think we're going to the same place, but we're actually going to hit right in the middle of where we were at, and uh, we'll be in Mark chapter 11. Uh, this is a thought that the Lord's gave me, and I, I I know people probably hear me quite a bit and think, boy, he preaches a lot on the church and the importance of the church, and uh, I, I don't think there's a whole lot more important in the day we live in than uh, getting in God's house and building a relationship with him and getting stronger in him and Uh, I tell a lot of people, I know you don't have to be in church to get saved, and I know you don't have to be in church to feel His Spirit, but man, this is a good place to do it. Uh, It's a place that got me. I don't know if it got everybody else like that, but it worked on me when I got in the door, and I thank God for that. But we're going to be in Mark 11, verse 15, and we're just going to read down through 19. And they came to Jerusalem, and Jesus went into the temple and began to cast out them that sold and bought in the temple. And overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. And he taught, saying unto them, it is, is it not written, My house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. And the scribes and, chiefs, and, the scribes and chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him, for they feared him. Because all the people has astonished was astonished at his doctrine, and when and when even was come, he went out of the city. Heavenly Father, Lord, again we come before you. We thank you, God, for your word. We thank you for uh, just the ap- opportunity to be in your house, God. And we ask that you would uh, open the church's heart today, Lord. Open our ears to our heart and let us hear what you have, God. That we would apply it to ourselves, not just look at others, but we would we would apply it to ourselves from the pulpit to the door. And God, we're asking for your guidance. Ask for your your just utterance, Lord, through us, that we would just be willing to do our part, Lord. And again, we praise you. We thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for what it can do to us, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, the thought that I had, um, I I had never really dug into this scripture, and and I still probably have not even scratched the surface of this picture. Uh, But when you think of that, and you hear where he says that Jesus come into the temple, and and he and he cast out calf lip tables over, and he cast out the money changers and the everything else. And there's a lot of thought that goes into that. People have their different opinions of, oh well, it's because he was taking advantage of the poor, and they were doing this and they were doing that. But I think at the end of the day, it's because they had turned God's house into a den of thieves. I think that's what the Bible says. So that's what I'm going to go with. And and I think also in times today, we look at that and you say, well, now wait a minute, we don't come in here and we don't. We ain't selling goods and we ain't doing this and we ain't doing that. But we've also turned God's house in a lot of ways into a den of thieves. Many times in our life, I can almost say that we probably can all, if we're honest with each other, and that's what this message is going to take tonight. It's going to take all of us being honest with each other and saying, I am who I am by the grace of God. But the real me that was born into this world is sinful nature at best. Cannot be any better than that. My flesh 
will be sin, loves sin, wants sin, chases after sin, unless I get it under subjection to Him that lives inside of me. And that because of that, there's been times, I'll say this goes from the back of the pulpit to the back of the church, there's been times that my flesh has walked into church and I was not there to worship God. I was there because why? I was feeling my obligation. I didn't want the preacher to talk to me to come Monday night. He didn't, I didn't want him looking at me saying, well, you weren't there Sunday. Where was you at? What was you doing? So I said, it's better for me just to go and then I don't have to deal with that. And I went and I sat in church and I sat there dried up like a corpse, dead as a doornail, and, and got nothing of it. What did I do to God's house at that point? To me, I turned it into just anything else. Turned it into just anywhere, somewhere to go, somewhere to keep myself out of trouble. It wasn't about God. It wasn't about His house. It wasn't about His Spirit. It was just about me not wanting to deal with it. Well, to me, that's what? I'm stealing from God. If I come to His house and He says, in every nation, it should be called the house of prayer. If I come to His house and I'm not looking for a movement of God, I am robbing God. So I have in turn turned his house into a den of thieves. I'm sitting right in the middle of it. And if I'm robbing God, I'm a thief like the rest of them. So when we come to church, we don't come looking for somebody else to do something, somebody else to say something. Boy, if you'd get right, boy, if we'd really have a service, we're robbing ourselves of that sitting in God's house. We are turning God's house in to a den of thieves. We should all be coming to God's house ready to worship, ready to praise, ready to house of prayer. We ought to be ready to pray. We ought to be ready to get rid of everything that's bothered us. We ought to be willing to do whatever it takes to get God's Spirit to move. And the Bible says what? I will dwell amongst the praises of my people. But we come to church and we sit and we wait on somebody else to praise Him so that our spirit can swell up a little bit off of somebody else's work. We're robbing from somebody else sitting in God's house. I've been guilty of that. Now, if you want to be honest, we've all been guilty of that. We come to church, and boy, when she gets excited, boy, I just swell up inside. Boy, when he gets excited, I just swell up inside. But can they look at you and go, but when you get excited, I get to swell up inside. I've been that guy sitting on a church pew and and not do anything. But boy, I bask in the glory of everybody else's spirit. I bask in the glory of everybody's testimony. I'm robbing them. I'm sitting there just sucking every life out of my gift in God's house. When really I should come through those back doors with my hands in the air saying, I am ready to worship God. I am ready to be in His presence. This is His house. No, but we don't own it. It's His. I believe it's been ordained since the beginning of the church. This build, uh, building has been ordained as God's house. And we rob Him when we come into these places and choose not to worship Him. Choose not to have a relationship with Him. We, we have sat in a place to where we, we look at God and we, we come to His house and act like He's an afterthought. We come to His house and act like we're here so that everybody knows I'm here. That's not what I come for. That's not what we should come for. We ought to come for the presence of God to fall on this place. We shouldn't have to work it up. We ought to start praising Him and the Spirit will come down and lay on His people, give His presence out, pour out His blessings, and then we can leave and say, it has been good to be in the house of God. Amen. 
But we don't do that. We come, we come looking to rob something from somebody else. Right. I come hoping that somebody's going to get up and sing a song and we're going to get right. I come hoping that somebody's going to testify and it's going to get right. Instead of saying, Lord, let me be the one. Let me be the person tonight to stand up, praise you, and let the Spirit fall down. I want to be that person. Instead, we look around, we, we use our elderly people as the example. Oh, they're godly people. Boy, when she gets right, boy, the Spirit will show up. Try doing it yourself. Try being the one. Try being, if not, it's going to go away. These elderly people ain't getting any younger. So we're going to set church Sunday after Sunday depending on the elderly to get right so that we can just get a little taste of it. But then when they die, the taste is gone. It's time to start practicing. It's time to start getting real and saying, I've got the same thing they've got. I'm, I'm saved by the same God that saved the men of the Bible, saved the women of the Bible, still saving today, and I'm filled with that same Spirit but I can't do it. Why is that? Because we're robbing. We're coming to God's house and we're taking everything we can from somebody else and never bringing our own goods to the table. Never bringing what we have and saying, God, this is what I got. Use me. Use me for what I am. I, I am there. I am. I, I sat in a church house the other night full of preachers and I looked around and when it got my turn, I stepped up there and I said, I'm still trying to figure out why I'm the one behind the pulpit. I am the least of the least of that group. And here I was standing up there and God saying, Preach. Preach is all you've got to do. And I'm looking around going, Can you not use one of these other men? And it wasn't very long after me that scripture came to my mind and said, What are you trying to get from them? Why don't you give it out every now and then? Why don't I sit in church Sunday after Sunday and say, i got something to do for God. We shouldn't have to be begged to witness about God. We shouldn't have to be begged to sing praises to God. We shouldn't have to be begged to come to an altar and just say, thank you God for what you have given me in my life. You, you, we act like that altar is something we can only come to when we're lost. The altar in the Bible from the beginning of time was made by God's people everywhere they went. The first thing they done was built an altar. They didn't build it for who might show up. They built it so they had a place to go talk to God. Why do we not use the altar like they did in the Bible? We treat it like we can't use it unless a lost person walks in the door. When they go pray, I'll go pray with them. Well, you ain't getting none of your problems fixed if you ain't ever coming and talking to it. Keep robbing off everybody else. Keep thinking that's going to get you somewhere. You want to get stronger in God? Come talk to Him. Stand up and praise Him. Do the works that He has asked us to do. Then when you get down there, and it says... Um, and would, would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. And, and I, I've read that for what it says. Y'all not bring coffee and donuts and everything else into church. Y'all to respect God's house. Y'all to treat it like it's God's house. And we ought to come in here and be respectful. We ought to play our part. We ought to do our part. We ought to look our part. We ought to sit in church and act like it's God's house. Shouldn't come in here looking for a hot cup of coffee and a pack of donuts to get me by. I ought to be looking to be filled up off the Spirit while I'm here. But then if you, if um, in my notes, and um, I had never read this before, but um, in my notes it said, carry any vessel through. In addition to normal business traffic, some may have used the temple court as a shortcut. How many 
Do you see coming in on a Sunday morning, set through, miss Sunday school, set through church service, and you don't see them again till next Sunday morning's church service? They're using church as a shortcut, thinking it's going to be the fast track to heaven, and they, they are lost and don't know where they're going. Amen. They're coming in, they're filling their part, they're letting you sit here and see them, thinking if you pat them on the back for being here, it's going to get them somewhere. We're using God's house as a shortcut, and it's leading people straight to hell. Because why? Because they don't, they don't want the Spirit. If they wanted the Spirit, they'd be hungry for it. They'd be here on a Wednesday night. We can tell everybody ain't got to be a science expert to look around and go, where's half the church? Where are they? They ain't hungry for what God's got for them. They ain't longing for the relationship. They ain't longing for God's house. They ain't, they ain't looking to grow in God. If they were, they'd be here. They'd be in here saying, what is the Word going to do for me tonight? What can God do for me tonight? I need a touch from God. I am hungry for God. But instead, Sunday morning's enough. We're living a shortcut Christian life that's leading this world to hell in a handbag. You look around you and you see what this world's turning to and we blame it on everything. We blame it on the government. We blame it on anything and everything we can. We'll blame it on banks. We'll blame anything but me. We'll blame it on everything. God, I think you've forgotten us down here. He said, no, my people just ain't doing my work. I'm still here. I'm still willing. All through the Bible, God done a lot of miracles. Before Jesus Christ walked this earth, there was a lot of things that God done, and guess what He done? He used men. And Jesus Christ ain't walking this earth anymore, and He's still looking to use men to do His work. The only problem is, His people don't want to work for Him anymore. You can tell that by going to any church around this county on a Wednesday night, and you can say, where are they at? Where are the people that say, I'm God's man? Where's the people that says, boy, I've been saved by grace. And they ride that grace train all the way through. And they beg for any kind of drop they can get off of it. Because they sure ain't going to do anything to gain any ground. They're going to beg for every touch that grace will give. I am thankful for grace. But us as a Baptist religion has gotten grace so beat up and beat down that we think we can go out and do whatever we want to do. And there's no conviction to it because, oh, this grace is sufficient. The Bible says what? He says, should you continue in sin so that grace does abound? God forbid you should do that. But we have lived in an age where the Baptist church in America goes out and drinks, goes out and parties, does whatever they want, chases after every worldly desire, and then walks into church on Sunday morning and says, His grace is sufficient. I hate to tell you, but it ain't never worked that way. He don't want it that way. He's begging for us to... I absolutely believe that He is convicting people's hearts and He is begging people to get real. Get real with what the plan is of God's salvation. And yeah, I believe, I, I will stand there and tell you right now, I am not good enough to get to heaven. I ain't got enough money to pay to get there. And I can't do enough to get there. And I believe that His grace is sufficient to get me there. But I believe His grace is so good that I ought to try my best to get there. 
Amen. I ought to be, try my best to do whatever I can to get there one day that I could lay a crown that has a little something in it at His feet that he, I can look at Him and say, You died for me. You suffered for me. You saved me when I was unsavable. You loved me when I was unlovable. You wanted me when nobody else did. When I didn't like myself, You chose me. And now I get to cast a little something back at Your feet. Shame on me for living a life for 30 years running away from God, choosing to chase everything in the world when I knew how good God was. I had been preached to since I was a kid. I knew what He offered. And I said, nope, I like the world better. And then I look at myself and I say, I've been doing this for nine years. Have I done half what I've done in my tw- from the time I was 20 years old to the time I was 30? No. So why am I looking and saying, oh, His grace is sufficient? And when I ought to be doing more. I ought to be working harder. I'll tell you one thing. I put overtime in for the devil. I chased, I chased women out of church. I chased them to a bar stool. I chased friends out of church to a bar stool. I chased them to every party they, I could get them to come to. How many people am I asking to come to church? Amen. Then, you, then we act like, oh, His grace is sufficient. Shame on us. Shame on us for abusing the grace that God has given us. For using a shortcut, coming to church on Sunday morning, not showing up for a month, and then raising our hands and praising Him and saying His grace is sufficient. While the world looks at us and they're dying and going to hell because there ain't no spirit in the church no more. There ain't no life in His Christians anymore because we're chasing after things of the world. You look there and it says to use it as a shortcut and you say, well, now preacher, there's two different ways of looking at that. The temple back then was the temple of God, but now it's the New Testament and my body's the temple of God. Well, we got some of the nastiest temples i ever seen in my life. Shame on us to even use that comparison to look at temples in the Old Testament and then look at our bodies and say, oh, my body is a temple. The Bible says that there'll be many vessels in the temple. Some will be wood, some will be brass, some will be dirt, some will be uh, gold, some will be silver, and they'll be used for vessels of honor and vessels of dishonor. I hate to tell us, but today's world, most of the church is used as dishonor to the to God's house and to God's people. You look at the world and the shape it's in, it's our fault, it's the church's fault in America that we, the, the darkness has overtaken this world. Why is that? That's because we're being used as vessels of dishonor. We chase after things of the world more than we chase after things of God. And you say, well now wait a minute, I'm here on Wednesday night, preacher. Yep, where were we Monday? Where were we Tuesday? Where are we going to be tomorrow? Where are we going to be Friday? Where are we going to be Saturday? Are we going to be on our faces praying? Are we going to be in the book reading? Are we going to be longing for things of God? Or are we going to be chasing after everything the world has to offer us? You can sit in church. You can come to God's house. And again, you can suck the life right out of Christ just to be in His house. And you can worship Him for a little while. But then Monday comes around and we're so far out in the world that we that people couldn't see Christ in us if they had a magnifying glass up against us. Amen. Why is that? That's because we've gotten to a generation where His grace is sufficient. 
You watch a bunch of TV preachers. You watch this stuff that goes on out here in these big churches, and these these people that are smoke shows and mosh pits and everything else. And you and you ask them what it is, and they'll tell you as long as you do this, it's all right. As long as you show up here, it's all right. As long as, as long as you put your money in the plate, it's all right. Everything's all right. Everything's good. And ain't nobody ever stood up behind the pulpit and said God's conviction is still real. And if we're not living for Him, then we ought to be convicted enough that we come through the back doors and we don't raise our hands and say, His grace is sufficient. We run to an altar and say, God, forgive me for abusing Your grace, for using You like a red-headed stepchild, and for just taking You anytime I wanted, trying to use You as a shortcut to get to heaven. I ought to be longing for a relationship and I ought to look for the longest way to get there. You say, no, now wait a minute. We ought to be trying our best to work as long as we can to see as many people as we can saved before we die and go to heaven. We're we're in a generation now that we want to get up off the altar, say I'm saved, and Him take us out of here so that we don't got to do nothing for it. We ought to be we ought to be walking out of these doors planning who we're going to talk to in the morning. Planning who's the first person you're going to put in front of me that I can witness to. Who's the first person, Lord, that I can say something about your goodness that I can tell them about what happened at God's house last night. But instead, they come up to us and then the next thing you know, we're talking just like them. Brother Greg told us one time at a prayer meeting talking about people that he worked with. And boy, they start cussing and going on and everything else. He said, man, there for a while I sat there and I sat there and I sat there and he said, God got bigger and bigger. And he said, I wasn't talking like him. I was just sitting there. said, then finally it got real enough. I said, I got to get away from this. I've got to separate myself from this. But what do we do? We pull up a chair. We slide right in the middle of it. And we say, God, I dare you to tempt me enough that I'll fall back into this. Instead of standing up and going, I've got something I need to say. You want to cuss? You want to run your mouth? You want to say everything you want? Let me tell my story first. Let me tell you what God's done for me. Let me tell you how He cleaned my mouth up. How I used to cuss like a sailor. How I drank every night, all night, and go into work hungover, smell like a booze factory. Let me tell you about that. But let me tell you what God done for me. Let me tell you how He made me different. How He changed me. How He took those desires and took them out of me. And I'm still standing today, nine years later, going, how did He do that? I still look and think, man, I really liked to drink when I was that age. Boy, I really enjoyed that. How did you do that? You ever been in that place when you stop long enough to let God get big enough that you just look at Him and go, how in the world did you get me here? How do you do that? I stand behind a pulpit a lot of times and look out and go, how in the world did you get me here? They, I've been told since I don't know how old I was. Oh, I think you're going to be a preacher. I think you're going to be a preacher. I said, you people lost your mind. That ain't happening. I, I mean, I even, I've even went to the point of telling God before, I ain't going to do that. And there's sometimes you get behind the pulpit and he gets big enough and you just sit here and go, how did you put me here? How did you convince me? And he says, because for that, my grace is sufficient. But for, for my work, my grace is sufficient. 
My grace is sufficient to get you through the battles that we're facing. My grace is sufficient to get you through those prayers you've been praying about. My grace is sufficient to get you through the struggles that you're having with your Christianity. My grace is sufficient when you're having a hard time getting to church, but you wake up and run to the church house anyway, and your car's messing up and everything else, but you said, Lord, I'm going to your house. My grace is sufficient for that. But we're using it for right the opposite. We're using it, our grace is sufficient enough to let me go out and do this, let me chase after everything in the world, chase after every dollar I can make, chase after everything under the sun except for chasing after Him. And we wonder why the church is empty on a Wednesday night. And it ain't just this church. Don't get me wrong. It's a good crowd for a Wednesday night in my opinion. That most churches you go to on a Wednesday night, I told them the other night, I've been telling these guys, I'm getting used to being the Wednesday night preacher. You put me in a big crowd on a Sunday and I about choke myself. Wednesday nights, I'm used to the small crowd. It's kind of what I'm, it's kind of my little area that I'm in right now. But when you think of that, why is the house not as full on a Wednesday night as it is Sunday morning at 11? It ought to be easier to get here on a Wednesday night. You're already up. You're already doing stuff. You've already been at work. You've done everything else. You ain't got nothing holding you back. I know everybody's excuse now is, but preacher, it's dark at 530. I'm ready to go to bed. I get it. I struggle with that too. Every day I'm looking at it going, man, I'm ready to go to bed. It's 7 o'clock. But on Wednesday night, what's a couple hours going to hurt us just to come in here, throw our hands up and say, Lord, you've been good to me. If I stop and think about how good he's been to me, I don't. I think you, you'd walk out of this church before I got done. You'd say, my goodness, that boy ain't ever going to shut up. I look at my life and where he brought me from and what he's given me sitting in that second pew. Yeah, it's a struggle. Yeah, I pray about it all the time. I said, Lord, why'd you call me to preach when we got two little ones that they, they have a hard time being quiet? They have all these struggles. They're, everything's going on. Why'd you call me now? But I sit back and I think, boy, your grace is sufficient. Amen. You're going to get us through that one day. My wife has a hard time. She struggles. Tommy, Tommy told her one day, he said, honey, you're just now getting to the start of it. You've got a long way to go before you're ever going to get to really sit down and enjoy church again. And I thought, boy, that's tough. But you know what? If she quits and she's trying to argue that his grace is sufficient for her to quit, she's wasting her breath. But if she keeps coming and she keeps trying... And she keeps sitting there and saying, boy, I don't know why I go. I can't feel nothing. I can't hear nothing. I don't know if anything's ever going to move on me again because I'm so caught up in my kids. But if she keeps going, there's coming a day. I can assure you that them little ones are going to get big enough that they're going to sit over there in the corner and mind their own business. And they're going to be sitting there and God's going to pour out a blessing on her like a 10-gallon bucket just pouring over her head where He says the honey's going to come out and it's going to pour over top of her. And you know what I'm going to get to do? I'm going to get to stand in that moment with my hands in the air and say, God, your grace has been sufficient. It ain't been an easy road. It ain't been the the shortest road. It ain't been the easiest fight that we've had. But looking back now, your grace was sufficient. How can I say that? Because we've been through some battles together. We fought some fights that we didn't know where the light was shining in from. We fought some fights that we didn't know what the outcome was going to be and what it was going to turn into. But I can look back at those fights and I can see that we've made it out on the other side. I can see where God's worked. I can see where He's moved in our life. And I can say, Your grace was sufficient. Amen. Amen. Why is His grace sufficient? 
Because he loves his people. But he expects us to love him back. I love love God's grace and I love his, his compassion and his mercy and I am grateful for it. But I fully understand that everywhere in that Bible, he expects me to love him back. Amen. He expects me to follow him. He expects me to walk after him. He expects me to long for that relationship. And if that relationship isn't what it needs to be, he expects me to fix it. We've gotten to a place now where Christians say, well, I'll go if God moves me. God moved me on August the 31st, 2014. It's my job to move from then on. It's my job to say, Lord, I acknowledge my relationship is not what it should be. And I'm here to fix it. It is not His job to come and drag me back to an altar 57 times. And I'm thankful that He has dragged me to an altar. But that ain't His job. Again, that's His grace. But I, but I know and I'm well aware that when I am out of line with God, it is my job to get my pride out of the way, walk out of a pew, lay my face down on an altar and say, God, I need to fix this. I need you to help me get this straightened up. Whatever's between us, I need it out of the way. So I'm here to ask tonight. It's a Wednesday night and you're in church. And I'm well aware of that and I am very appreciative of that. But if you've been abusing God's grace, tonight's a good opportunity to fix it. Amen. If, you've been, if you've been trying to use the church house on a Sunday, or even if you just show up on Wednesday night, and you're still trying to use it as a shortcut, and you think, oh, if I just show up, everything's going to work out, but you ain't been willing to testify about God, you ain't been willing to stand up and raise your hands in the air, you ain't been willing to brag on Him, you ain't been willing to sing about Him, you ain't been willing to do anything for Him. Tonight's a good opportunity to get it fixed. Tonight's a good opportunity to be able to stand up. You ain't even got to come to the altar. If you've got something tonight that you could just stand up and say, let me tell you where God has worked in my life. It might be your turn. It might be your opportunity for God just to pour a blessing out. And you go, boy, that's what I've been missing. I've been sitting in church every Sunday and looking for something, for somebody to do something, but that right there is what I've been missing. Because he says again, I will dwell amongst the praises of my people. You want Him to live in you? You want Him to just pour His blessings out on you? He expects us to do so. Amen. So I'll turn that back over to Rodney.